Hello all, welcome to the Hope Without Sight podcast with your hosts, Sailor Cooper and Tyler Evans. The topic of this podcast will consist of many stories of people from various backgrounds and experiences who have had many challenges and have been able to successfully overcome them and rise to the top. So sit back and relax as we give you the best of these diverse stories. Because if you are feeling down and out, like you cannot make it in the world, then this podcast is the right one for you. Because if my guests can make it, so can you. Happy listening. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Hope Without Sight with your host, Sailor. And this is Tyler Evans. On a cold day here in Texas, below 20 degrees. Isn't it cold where you are? Mm-hmm. Well, on this episode 56, we have Dawn Latwist. We were on her podcast at Podpalooza out of a spiritual closet. So now it's time for her to be on ours. Hello. Dawn. Hi. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Sailor and Tyler. Yeah, so you are Dawn Marie. You have here fourth gen. She's a fourth generation intuitive on both sides of her family line. She has always gravitated to the angels and energy work in all forms. She has studied and certified in many modalities, such as Akashic Akashic Record sessions yep. and activations, past life regressions, and angel card readings, seraphim blueprint activation, and many other modalities. She uses her gifts of intuition, clairvoyance, and clairaudience and clairsentience to help her clients find clarity and help them to become empowered to activate the changes and movement they desire in life. Her specialized way of accessing your own spiritual gifts is her secret sauce that she shares with her students, clients, and friends. If you like a taste test, try out some of her free healing meditations and activations to experience the magic of angels and the actual ju- juice that she is blessed to share with others. It's Dawn Latwist. Please welcome Dawn. How are you doing today? Hello, hello. Thank you so much. I am doing great. It is cold here in Florida, too, on this January day. <laughs> Even Florida's cold? Wow. Even Florida's cold. <laughs> well, well, there's parts of Florida, Miami in particular, that's not cold at all. Today, I think they may be cold, too. I'm not sure. I didn't check the weather, but we've got a cold front coming through. So we'll get like a sweep of cold, a blast of Arctic air, a a gift from our northern friends. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But Miami is generally warm all year long, even in the summer, even in the winter. They're usually about 10 degrees warmer than me. And, you know, it is warm, per se, if you're in like. Illinois, where I'm from, but your blood gets thin <laughs> if you live in yeah. Florida too long. So we cry. I'm going to tell you, cold is relative. We cry when it's 50. Okay. So take oh, that wow. with a grain of salt. Yeah. <laughs> We're wimps. So, Don, how, how did you get into this spiritual space? I was born into it. So I was born to a double line of Italian Catholics. 
So I was exposed to religion and spirituality because the Italians of my family were straight from Italy. My grandfather was born in Italy, came over on the boat as a year old baby. And so they had a lot of traditions, which in America were considered like spiritual, but it was just the way that they took care of their bodies and their families with herbs, with different things, and with some little bit of magic, I mean, for lack of a better word. But it's also, they were very big on prayer and faith. So I believe in a higher source, a God, a divine, whatever you want to call them. I don't care what you call it, but that's what I believe in an angel. So that's how I got into it. I was born into it. And then I rebelled like every child. I rebelled and um, didn't care about that and got into rock and roll and (laughs) having a good time. Oh, man. Oh, great. And I worked in corporate for 30 years and, you know, had many different um, jobs and skills. And I actually worked in print advertising and media my my Mm. career. So All right. Cool. But but then I got cancer. (laughs) Then I got cancer. Well, no, cancer was a blessing. I know that's weird, but cancer was a blessing because I was on a typical American trajectory for life. So cancer stopped me dead in my tracks and made me really, really stop and think about my life, about what I really wanted and who I wanted to be. What was my signature I was leaving on the planet when I left? So that's where the change came in for me. So I knew all this stuff. I played with it more like fun, like the kid that was made to go to church on Sunday, right? They showed me the stuff. I played with it. Okay, it's part of what we do. But I never really embraced much of it, even though I played with angels as a little girl. All right. So you do a lot of spiritual healing with clients or what do you do exactly? So what I do is, And I don't know if spiritual healing's got such a negative kind of thing with it, but I just help people that are stuck, whether it's mentally, physically, emotionally, right? And I just help them to get to why. Why are you stuck? Um, Is it something that you were told you could never do better than this as a child? Is it fear? Have you never been safe in your life? And so I work with my clients one-on-one or in a group to kind of find out what part of your life isn't working for you. And then we identify it and then we can take some, that's when I'll put some spiritual into it from there. Then we can do some meditative work or some energy, Reiki or angels to help to get them out of the funk. I mean, anyone that's ever been sad you know, knows that it's just such a yucky feeling. Or if you've ever been stuck where you can't move forward, like you guys are amazing, right? Like, Thank you. No, really. Like people have like a hundred times more ability at times than you or I, like I was explaining to you about my, my physical limitations being a cancer survivor, but they can come up with excuses why not to do stuff or come up with like, their fears, why not to do it? But I, I, that's what I loved about meeting with you guys. I'm like, like, 
you just, it's just who you are. You own who you are, but that's not a limit per se. You don't think of it as a limit. So that's kind of what I try to do with my clients and, and friends is like, help them to find the bliss. <laughs> yeah. Them. Thank you. Luke, he was trying to get that's me there. That's our will. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, bliss is a frequency and energy, right? It is. It's, mm-hmm. it's like a divine energy because you're, you're radiating, you're vibrating at that peace, that joy, that bliss. And that's the place I try to give people to, even if it's just for a moment to taste it. So then they can figure out how to get back to it again. We're trying to get people to bliss. Tell who, how Tyler, I mean, cause uh, honestly, I'm I'm trying to keep my spirits high on this entrepreneurship journey because we've been trying to launch our programs, but uh, we haven't been successful yet. It takes time, you know? Hey, every day you show up, you're successful. That's right. And so basically what we want to do, we just want to tell people, hey, if you're feeling down, that's okay. If you're not feeling down, that's okay. But ultimately, we, we want people to just find bliss in whatever it is they're able to do. If you're blind, for instance, you know, learn how to be a little more independent. Or even if you're sighted, you can learn to be more independent in your own little way. And what's cool about our podcast, Help Without Sight, is we don't just interview blind people. We interview all people because everyone has a story to tell and everyone has a contribution they can make. For sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. For instance, we interviewed someone recently who is a hemorrhagic stroke survivor. It's crazy. We interviewed, uh, what was it? Someone went a while back who was a survivor of abuse. It's crazy. I mean, we interview all sorts of people because hope without sight is a metaphor to us. It's about finding hope even in the darkest hour. That's how I look at it. And hope without sight represents something deeper than just hope without having the the ability to see. Oh, sure. Without sight is how most of, and this is not an insult, it's just a reality, how many, many Americans, many, many people walk around the world, right? Of course. Because they they have physical sight doesn't mean they have sight for their life, for things to, to be blissful, to be joyful, to be aligned. And speaking of spirituality. You know, all these uh, back in Jesus' day, when the, I mean, this is what I believe. Um, back in Jesus' day, whenever the Pharisees were all high and mighty and they think they knew it all, and they, they knew a lot of scripture and stuff, and they could see, but they were still blind. They were blind spiritually. <laughs> they were uh, uh, yeah. I've been blind before in my life. Let me just tell oh, yeah. you, I can honestly admit to that. Metaphorically, uh, yeah. right? Yeah, because I could only see the limits, right? I could only see what I couldn't do, not what I could do. And, you know, I've been in some, I'm not going to cry a river, but a lot of those things that you described that you have had people on, I've experienced. Mm -hmm. Um, One Mm -hmm. of the biggest wake-ups for me, though, was the cancer. But my husband survived a brain aneurysm. Oh, my goodness. This was before my cancer. And so, yes, you know, physical limitations will start teaching us to go deeper. Absolutely. 
You know, sometimes as humans, like I say, well, if you haven't been brought down on your knees, you know, you might not quite understand it yet. Um, I try to help people not have to be brought down on their knees before they get it. (laughs) Unlike me. Absolutely. Well, you know, it's interesting. My mom, she was a strong fighter whenever she was around when she lived. She had a long battle with cancer, breast cancer from 2016 to 2020. And she ultimately spread her wings on November 20th of 2020. And what's interesting, you know, she passed away exactly three days prior to her mom passing away exactly 23 years before, like later. She died almost 23 years to the day that her mom did. So to me, to me, her death was not a coincidence. It wasn't just, oh, it just happened. No, I mean, God told her, hey, it's time for you to go. You've fought enough. You've completed the mission that I've told you to complete. You overcame alcoholism. You overcame cancer. Now it's time for you to come home, be with your loved one, and ultimately uh, be with your mother and be with Christ. Absolutely. I think um, a lot of people, you know, once you start noticing synchronicities in your life, you do start to understand that there is a bigger force at play, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, I always like to brag about my mom because she did so much for me. Just as much as Sailor would probably brag about her, about his mom, excuse me, not her, (laughs) his mom, and how she advocated for him. That's right. And, and Sarah, her uh, his uh, twin sister. But yeah. You know, uh, having that support and that, that security, um, there's no better advocate than a mother for her child. I mean, or, or someone in that capacity that mm. loves you like a mother. Because even with my medical stuff, the only reason I made it through it, honestly, um, is because my husband and my mother. Yeah, they advocated, they took care of me. Um, You know, you talked about like hope without sight or sight with no hope without sight. Uh, Sorry. But um, you were saying like that people that can't go on and I never understood. I really didn't. I never understood people giving up or just being so downtrodden because I was always taught to kind of, you know, shake it off, brush it off and keep going. But during chemo and during that, like, I didn't know if I was going to live or die. I understood sadness and depression as a whole nother level because it wasn't about making it through a day. It was actually making it through the next five minutes. Oh, my goodness. And the next or five not, minutes. Not only that, but the next possibly year, months, and even yeah, But years. you can't even, I couldn't even think about that. You know what I mean? Right, like, of course. Yeah, like seriously, like if I could keep, if I don't end up in front of the the toilet for the next five minutes, I'm golden. You know, if the pain stays away for five minutes. So it really, gosh, illness taught me to be more compassionate as a human being. Yes, you should. Well, well, you know, it's interesting. People always say, um, I've heard it said that sometimes we ask God, Hey, where are you, God? But oftentimes we don't hear him. And that's when he's working even more because we don't, we don't know. Yeah. Well, that's like the scripture where when you didn't see my foot, the footprints in the sand, when you didn't see me, it's when I was carrying. Yeah. That's what the Lord says. Right. There's actually a song. uh, 
I don't know if Leona Lewis wrote it initially, but it's called Footprints in the Sand. Leona Lewis, I guess, I don't know if she wrote it or someone else did, but he, she did a cover of it. It was beautiful. And she's from England. She's from London, Leona Lewis. And I love her voice. It's just, it's so soul-like. It's, it's really cool how her voice. Check just, it out. Eminent. You ever heard of her, Leona Lewis? She's yes, I have. Bleeding Love. I, that's one of her popular Bleeding Love. Songs. Um, I also like her song "Better in Time" because think about it, that song, "Better in Time." It, I just remember that whenever you mentioned your cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, how people say, "Oh, it'll all get better in time." Well, I believe that in the end it will. Now it doesn't look like it always. Right. For instance, in your case, you were just like, uh, I don't even want to think about the next day or week or month or year. I only want to think about the next five minutes. It's like, yeah. And then people would probably always encourage you and say, Hey, it'll all get better in time. Like they'll, they'll probably be saying, they'll probably be saying that to you saying, Hey, you know, it's okay, but you will get through this, whether it's you continuing to live or go to seek Christ. You will Absolutely. get through it. Yeah, yes, one way or another, you're coming through it. That's <laughs> now, right. If That's you don't right. mind me asking, like, where did you have cancer? I actually had blood cancer. Um, I had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, which falls like in the leukemia groups. Yeah. And it's um, systemic. So it's throughout your whole system. So yeah, it's, it's not like a- they cut it out. Um, they don't cut it. Yeah, it's a lymphatic system. So that's why I also, I can't sit for long periods because I had it all through my body from my nose down to my knees, but um, primarily in my torso. So in my belly. So sitting, eating, a lot of swollen lymph nodes in there um, because they swell up. But yeah. You know, it's interesting. We actually, I mean, I didn't know him personally, but I knew about him. I knew a guy, uh, Fred Thompson. Um, he was a U.S. Senator from Tennessee. He died of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, I believe. He died of it in 2015. Yeah. I yes. So, you and, know, uh, it can yeah. be very aggressive. I had low grade for four years. Mm-hmm. And what that means is it's more like a diabetes or something. Like you live with it. You just live with it, knowing you have cancer, but treatment won't help it. So you live with it and you go on. So I had the low grade and then it went aggressive and the aggressive is what kills people. But because I was under doctor's care, I was blessed. Honestly, I was blessed because I was under doctor's care already. I was having regular scans. So when it went aggressive, they knew. And I already had my oncology team. I already had all my stuff. So I just, I was blessed in the fact that I went right into chemo and I got remission within six months. So wonderful, wonderful. So, so how did you, when did, when did you uh, ring that bell? Um, gosh, September. I know what it is. I, I get confused on the date because I had my PET scan. They didn't have a bell, sailor. I was really upset. I was <laughs> like, I came home and I rang my own bell. But, um, it, the, I had my PET scan one day, but then the doctor told me the official results a different day. So I go by the date of September 9th. Oh, man. That's my reborn day. That's my second birthday. So how um, how did you first find out you even had lymphoma? Did you have symptoms, swollen lymph nodes, swelling in the neck, things of that sort, general signs? 
So I told you my husband had a brain aneurysm Mm -hmm. and right before he got the brain aneurysm, we had a bunch of hurricanes in Florida, right? Right. And so um, we had all these hurricanes coming through everybody. We have a live in a great neighborhood. Everybody's helping everybody up. But I was running around in the grass outside and I didn't have shoes on. I got a scratch. My neighbor had a cat and I got a scratch on my foot about two weeks after this. I had a lump swell up on my neck on the back of my neck. Like um, it is one of your main, like when you get sick, when you're a little kid and your glands swell, but it was huge, like the size of a lemon. I was like, what is this? So I started going to the doctors and the first guy I saw, one of the first people was a surgeon. He said, it's probably non-Hodgkin's, but I'm going to cut it. I'll cut it out and we'll see. Whoa. I had that pit feeling, you know, when you know, you know, but instead I left the doctor's office and this isn't going to sound too good, but I, I don't drink. Um, I'm not good at it. I never have been. I've, I've been known to enjoy a cocktail here and there, but I left that doctor's office and all I could think was, God, I could use a shot and a beer and I don't even drink, but it was that sickening feeling like where you knew it was probably, I, I knew it was going to be correct. But, but they, then I went to a uh, different doctor, a infectious disease doctor, because I had a high white blood count. And he said, you're going to laugh at this one. You guys are going to like this. It was cat scratch fever. Hmm. Like the Ted Nugent song. Hmm. Have you never known anybody that had cats, catch cat scratch fever? Now you do. Um, so it was cat scratch fever and they got the lump to go down. And the infection subsided, but I never felt better. And this went on. My husband got sick with the brain aneurysm. So I had a little, my daughter was like four. My son's like 12 or 13 at the time. I had a lot going on. I was working. And so we were, you know, trying to get him answers. And I was seeing doctors, but not really um, pursuing it, but they were doing tests. And then finally, I actually had a nurse friend and she said, you know what, this doctor, because my stomach swelled, she said, this doctor is the best gastro guy in the county. She was a um, ICU nurse. She said, go get in with him. I got in with him. And when he gave me my results, he's all sad and stuff. I walk in his office. I had done all the research. I said, it's either in my brain. It's either metastasized cancer or it's non-Hodgkin's. Knowing that non-Hodgkin's can be very curable, that's what I was voting for. I walk into his office. He's so sad. He's got this look of terror on his face and everything. And he's like, I'm really sorry to tell you it's non-Hodgkin's, I believe. And I was like, yes. (laughs) And he goes, what? (laughs) And I was like, you've given me a way, you know, you've given me a solution to all these problems. I now can work through this. Now I know what it is and I know what direction. When I didn't have a clue, I was feeling very helpless and alone and scared. Mm. Well, I tell you what, there's one cancer center that I admire in the country and it's MD Anderson. Yeah. They do My friends say, history. yeah, it says make cancer history. In other words, they don't want to just treat it. They want to abolish it. 
I that's what needs to happen. There's no reason in this day and age that anyone should be dying from that. We have preventative measures, we have predictive measures, we have so many ways to eradicate. There's a lot of money in cancer treatment. Yes, there is. And some people, some people argue that they are hiding a cure so that you know the big people, you know, at the top will keep making the money. Some people. I think that. What big people? I think they'll have a reckoning with the big guy. Oh, yeah. If that's the case, shame on you. Exactly. Shame on you. You I honestly believe, you know, I honestly believe that chemo and radiation, it's worse than the cancer. Oh, God, yeah. It really is. It really is. It is is poison whenever you do uh, chemo. You know where it comes from? This is what's so amazing to me because I did the research. Um, I'm a little bit of a bookworm, but. The, the, one of the chemo treatments I got, and I can't remember if it's the, um, God, I'm out of treatment now in my chemo brain, but there's an anti, not a viral, uh, I'll think of it, but anyways, it comes from the mustard seed that they use for the atom bomb in, uh, or that they were using for that in Germany. Really? Rituximin. Rituximin is one of the treatments that they use for non-Hodgkins. It goes in hand with the chemo, and it's that um, I can't think of the word. It starts with an I, but um, anyways, it, it those drugs they haven't changed. Other than the rituximin, the chemo drugs haven't changed in fifty years. It comes from the mustard seed and from the research they did for the atom bomb back in the 50s. So to your point about chemo being worse, you've seen it, right? With your mom. Oh yeah. Yeah, of course I have. And, and and so think about it. It it's created from something that they were trying to create to destroy the world. And yet we put it in our bodies. You know, I actually read somewhere that if we could just enhance our immune system enough, we could actually abolish every cancer imagined to man because then the immune system could just be trained to fight it and to kill it okay so here's something that you guys probably know better than anyone else your body talks to you exactly when you're sick guess what it does it helps fight the immune it, it helps fight well, the illness by raising your it talks to you because you feel different right you and when you're in tune with your body you can be healthy because your body wants to be healthy you know, it'll, when you get that tummy ache, it's oh, yeah. telling you, you put bad stuff in my belly, in your belly, you know, whatever it is, right? Me with that lump that I described on my throat. Um, that was my body's way of saying, hey, Don, you're, you're going down the danger road here. Exactly. But the problem with a lot of cancers is the immune system can't catch it. And so what it needs to be is trained. But if we were more in tune to our bodies, if we taught our children to be more in tune to their bodies, if we cult, as a culture respected when people had these feelings, like we said, go lay down instead of what do you mean you're not coming to work today? You know, that, that kind of thing. I think we could do better as a society, too. And I also believe exercise helps because it helps, you know, makes you feel better and stuff. And I don't mean the really intense no. uh, you can do all <laughs> stuff. I don't mean that kind. I mean just exercise in general, just taking a walk, meditating, exactly. going out, doing yes. nature, uh, exercising a little bit, like to where you you just feel better. 
So I now take a walk every day. Well, not today, but nearly every day for 20 to 30 minutes because my lymphatic system requires it. I will feel real sluggish otherwise because your limbs don't have a muscle to move it. So I actually do that. But um, my mom's neighbor is so cute. He's a 97-year-old little Italian guy. And he says the secret to living a long life is keep moving. Keep moving. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, Don, I imagine everything you went through, you've overcome so much adversity, Don. That's what led you on to the spiritual track and everything that you're doing now. Absolutely. The higher power, the God, Jesus, any which way you want to look at it. You know, it made me get out of my ego and get into the world a little bit more. Like, what do you really? It's about what what do you want to do while you're on planet Earth? And what do you want to leave behind as your signature? And that's great. You like what you want, what legacy you want to leave, you know? So, uh, Don, what are your future goals? Keep helping clients. I know you have a free gift on your website, right? It's a meditation. Yeah. And I have a free meditation on there. There's a couple other ones. Help yourself too, if you're so inclined. Um, I have my YouTube station. And basically what I want to do is to help people, um, I, I always will work one-on-one, but I love group client group work. I want to bring communities together, start helping people to find people in their community. So by doing group meditations and group meetups and that, um, start helping people to grow community. Because as you guys know, it can just be very lonely, right? Oh. Mm-hmm. The world's different. Like I'm different than most of the people around me because of my beliefs and values and because of my physical limitations. So it's not that I'm different than so many people, but I just don't get exposed to those because you're not meeting them at the regular places, right? That's right. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, that's it. And then I was hoping that you guys could help me to educate other spiritual healers because there's a whole group growing out there but do they take into consideration people without sight people without hearing like is there any kind of diversity in the spiritual world or is it only like if you fit into this model then great if not oh well no there's a whole ton of people out there who are blind and visually impaired and stuff i mean look at how look at helen keller she wrote a book and she was blind and deaf no, but I mean the ones that are doing what I'm doing, that they're not taking into account right. of everybody and being more inclusive. That's all. That's right. 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 No, I was the secretly in, in love with Louis Braille when I was a little kid. Louis Braille, yeah. Yeah, because I got a book when I was like seven. You know, and I could read, like, you know, it was teaching you how to read Braille and that. So to your point, there's a lot of remarkable people that have been without sight. But I don't know. I was obsessed with him for a good two, three years. (laughs) I thought he was so amazing. And Perkins, he invented the Braille writer, the Perkins Braille writer, the Brailler. What's that mean? What's the difference? The Perkins Brailler actually types out Braille. It types it out. Yeah. It's like a Braille typewriter, basically. Yeah. Oh, how cool. It is yeah. cool. 
And the slate and stylus is another one. It's almost like you're using a pen or pencil and you you punch little holes in the little paper that's in it and then you turn it around afterwards and then you can read it. Okay, kind of like an old punch card, but <laughs> similar, but it's different. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah. Um, that's it's kind of tricky. It's kind of tricky for me to use. It's a little hard for me to use, but I use the I've used the Braille writer, I've used this uh slate and stylus a little. Um, and there's also devices called the Braille Note. The takers. Braille Note Takers, yeah. And it isn't just limited to the Braille Note. Freedom Scientific, which is a, a company that distributes a screen reader we call, well, it's called JAWS, Job Access with Speech. It's a screen reader for the blind. They have Braille displays, uh, Braille Notes, Braille displays too, as far as I know. And it's pretty cool. And what it does is it allows people to read their screen in Braille. Or oh to my type, God, that's awesome. Or yeah. to type like they normally would. And then what they can do is they can hook it up to a printer and print it out. And it would be just normal print for the sighted person. Yeah. So that's really cool. Um, I have yeah. in, it's really odd, in my personal family line and then in my husband's side, we've had two different people um, get macular degeneration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so my husband does computers. So he's been working with his brother trying to set it up for him because he does it. He's not blind, but he he's in, he's pretty advanced with his macular degeneration. But he um, right. he was helping him like with the computer screens and all that. So that's really interesting. I'm going to share that. Absolutely. I learned something new. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So what do you say to those people who feel they don't know where to go in life? They just, they need, they need some direction, basically. I say you go to your heart. Absolutely. You go right to your heart and then you connect with divine or wherever you connect. But you have to go in, not out. Always in. Yes, you do. Yeah. Amen. And that's the way to do it. Like. Oh, I got me. the question right. I didn't even know there was going to be a test, Matthew. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking uh, at the screen. I know who you are. Sorry. Right. Of course. But yeah, um, you know, the way I see it is it also um, boils down to, you know, people who feel they have no hope. Um, well, what I'd say to people, I mean, I believe Jesus is our hope. I mean, I'm a strong believer in him. And that he died and rose again so that we could have hope and eternal life and stuff like that. And the hope that I believe in is not the hope that disappoints. It's not the I hope so hope. It's living hope. It's the living hope that hope. Is I hope so. Yeah, like exactly. that. And we don't Absolutely. want I hope so. That's not hope. No, it's not. It's pessimism no. out there. Uh, as my great grandma used to say, you got to believe. Got to believe. And, you know, believe. believing for, for me, believing is seeing. It's not the other way around. Seeing is not believing. You ever, you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. No, I know what you're saying. I was just thinking about that. I was like, oh, that's cute. Believing is knowing for me, just knowing. I, I just know. Right. I've not and been seeing, left. Seeing is not just with the eyes, it's seeing the whole picture. In other words, it's beyond sight. It's not just, oh, you just see this oh, with your eyes. Oh, okay. No, 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 no. That's not that kind of sight. Sight for me is you see the whole picture of things, whatever it is. And you can just take a look in the mirror uh, in your mind's eye, so to speak, and say, hey, I get it now. You know, I get, you know, I got to do this. Or I got, you know, let's say, you know, you get feedback with people and stuff and you're like, oh, I get, 
what I got to do now. And I need to just reduce my stress and whatever. Like for, for instance, with me, a lot of my, a lot of uh, the problems I would have sometimes would be just stress in general, like being overly stressed about every little bitty thing. Yeah. Like, wait, why am I doing that? And my brother and his wife talked to me and was just like, Hey, why don't you slow down? Why don't you don't not stress so much about everything and just, you know, relax more. And that's what I'm trying to do. So I have a great, um, tip for, cause I'm like that too, Tyler. I've, I've been, I've been known to be a little bit like uptight and like a little stressed over things. Right. But yeah. one of the things that I, I really firmly believe is mindfulness of like being present right here, right now. And mm-hmm. by being present, we stop that clutter or the chatter and the friction. So when you get that overwhelmed feeling, that's when I go in and I do some calming breaths. And when I do the calming breaths, like just like taking a moment, centering, like you said, you know, sitting, you know, looking in your mind's eye, come into your heart and then take that first breath. What I always notice is how tight my chest is before I take that breath. And And after it's, you're just completely different. Yeah. I do quite a bit of mindfulness as well. Yeah. It helps. That's right. Whatever works for you. What helps for me. I like listening to music. Oh, yeah. Well, that's going to change your energy, right? Like that, right? <clears throat> it can get you can it can make you sad. It can make you joyous, like jubilant. I mean, there's Absolutely. all sorts of moods that music can do. Music is the universal language. That's what my, that's what my mom used to always say. Yeah, music the is therapy. Yeah, it really Sound is. is is universal, right? Absolutely. Even if you can't understand every word it says, like, for example, I go to a Mexican restaurant sometimes and I'll hear Spanish music. I'm like, hmm, can't understand what it says. But I like the sound of it. It's really upbeat. Because it's you know? that vibration. It's oh, that yeah. up mm-hmm. frequency getting you to the bliss. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, the bliss. Yeah. And, well, well, Don, thanks so much for reciprocating and being on our show. And my episode with you, it's out already, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. I'm it's been out, I think, a week or two. And I thank you guys for both this opportunity to be on here and for being a guest on mine. I had fun with you guys both times. So thank you. It was you. fun. Well, everybody, please give it up for Don Latwiz on episode 66. Stay blessed and live blissfully, everybody. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Hope Without Sight with Sailor Cooper and Tyler Evans and got a lot of takeaways from this podcast. We hope you feel renewed, inspired, and encouraged like you can just carry on and conquer the world. Please hit the subscribe button on all platforms and tell your friends and family to do the same. And in the meantime, blessings to all.